You ready for a, a good Sunday at church? Wasn't that a cool video? Isn't our creative team awesome here at this church? Yeah, they are. Uh, okay, before we get into the message, I just want to say two things. And number one is this. Uh, it is such an honor to be up here teaching and preaching the word of God is a privilege that I do not take lightly. And uh, we're on the back end of our year-end offering where I know so many of you uh, gave sacrificially, sacrificial generosity to this church. And as one of the direct beneficiaries of that, that offering, I just want to thank you and honor you from the bottom of my heart because I can't do this job uh, apart from you. So thank you. Um, yeah, you can clap for that. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, number two is, is just last week, if you were here for Vision Sunday, I thought Ron did such an incredible job uh, casting vision for what, uh, what restoration is going to be looking like in 2023. And if you were here, uh, if I could summarize it in a sentence, uh, Ron laid out the seven uh, practices of what it looks like to be a partner at this church. And really what he was doing was he was calling us higher. And throughout Jesus's ministry, we see that all the time, do we not? Like, we'll see him call the disciples higher. And he'll say things like, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And Ron said this great line, and I got to read it because there's no way I can remember it. It says, a vision is just a fantasy unless you persistently pursue a plan to accomplish it in partnership with other people. Say that five times fast. (laughs) Uh, And so really what Ron was doing was he was calling us higher. And if you're new to restoration, you just heard an announcement. Our vision is to be a global movement of everyday disciples, making disciples for generations and generations and generations to come. We are a part of something that is greater than ourselves uh, at restoration. So today I just want to kick off a brand new teaching series uh, that I believe is on an incredibly important topic uh, for our church. Uh, but also an incredibly important topic in our walk with God. Uh, If the seven principles that that Ron laid out last week are like the building blocks of our faith, I want you to think of this topic today as the mortar that holds it all together. Uh, This is, is something that permeates every aspect of our lives as we follow Jesus. It is the central animating core of all that we are and all that we will be in Christ Jesus. And that topic is prayer. It's prayer. Uh, If you're new to restoration, you're wondering what this place is about. One of our core values, the first core value, is to pray first. And what that means is is that we pray first. Prayer is not our last resort. It is our first uh, resort. Two mentors of mine, Jeff and Kristen Davenport, they had this great line in their family that they use, pray first, then Tylenol. All right? And and what that means is is that we start with the spiritual, and then we move to the practical. And the reason why is is because that's that's God's heart for us. He wants us to pray at all times in all things. And so to follow Jesus in 2023 in our lives personally is to become people who pray, people who pray. And so with that being said, uh, it would be foolish of me to come up here and to give you guys a talk uh, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Like you don't need another talk. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of sermons out there. But what we really need is an encounter with the living God. And so I'm going to do what we always do at the start of sermons, which is give this time over to God. So let's just pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, it is such an honor to gather in your presence. Uh, Lord, you, you say that your Holy Spirit is a counselor. Would you just counsel us today? Jesus, you say that your Holy Spirit is, is a helper. God, would you help us? You say that your Holy Spirit is comfort. God, I can't imagine the people in this room right now who need comfort. Jesus, would you comfort us? And God, in all things, may I just be a middleman. May I just be a vessel as I speak these words. And and, and we, we say everything today, Jesus, for your honor and for your glory. 
pour out your spirit in this building today. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right, well, I turned 30 this year. And I'm not saying that I'm old by any stretch of the imagination because I know I might offend some people, but I am noticing that I'm just getting a little bit older and a little bit grumpier. Uh, Anyone know what that feels like as you get older? I call it the get off my lawn guy. Yeah, I don't know what it is about as we get older, but like there's just things that bother me that didn't bother me five years ago. And, and, and I know that I, I can't preach with the Holy Spirit unless I just confess some stuff to you guys off the top. And just so I'm not the only one up here confessing, just go ahead and take a minute, look to your neighbor and tell them one thing that really bothers you. Go ahead, go ahead. One thing that bothers you. That's right, confess it, man. It's healing. Just get it out. Oh, yeah. I love the energy. All right, all right, all right. We'll bring it back. <laughs> There's so much. Hopefully, hopefully the thing that, that bothers you isn't the person sitting next to you, because don't say that, all right? So like I said, there's just things that I'm noticing are just starting to bother me. And like I said, I just got to get this out. So so I made a list and I'm going to read it to you. Uh, Okay, number one, things that bother me, driving slow in the fast lane. Nothing, nothing will corrupt my spirit that's trying to be holy more than a slow driver in the fast lane. Just move over. That bothers me. Okay, number two, fast food is no longer fast. You know what I'm talking about? Chipotle, I'm looking at you, 32nd and Lowell. They used to get it done. Not anymore. That bothers me. Uh, Number three, mandatory gratuity. It's an oxymoron. Are you kidding me? The whole reason why gratuity was invented in the first place was so that in my own discretion, I could allocate additional financial resources based on the quality of the service. And so not only are you robbing me of, of my money, but you're robbing me of my freedom. That bothers me. That bothers me. Okay, some of you may not care about this, but I grew up in this environment. Youth sports. Uh, Youth sports have gotten so absurd and expensive. Like, love you guys, but your five-year-old doesn't need to go to Florida for a baseball tournament, okay? Like, he just doesn't. I mean, he's not going pro. Maybe there's one kid that's going pro. You travel him around, but the the, the math, it just doesn't look good. I remember as a a 10-year-old kid, my dad looked at me and he said, Tim, you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than becoming a professional baseball player. Could he have probably improved in grace and tact? Yes. Was he absolutely right? Yes, because I'm up here now. Okay, I got to continue. This is my newest one uh, because I just experienced this a couple months ago. Teenagers that trick-or-treat without costumes. Not having it, man. Five years ago, I would have just given the candy. Now I'm principled about it. Okay, you go home, you put on a costume, you come back and you treat me with respect because I'm your elder and you earn that snicker, son. That bothers me. That bothers, Lord help my spirit, I'm getting angry. All right, last but not least, and might offend some of my friends with this one, Android group texts. You know who you are. You know, it only takes one. It only takes one. And and I'm telling you guys, in faith, I'm believing 2023 is your year where you get an iPhone. I believe that, that Jesus wants to to, to heal you of your infirmity. And we have a prayer team later. We will lay hands on you. This is the year. Those are things that bother me. I must move on. I must move on. Uh, I start there, church, 
simply to tell you this, because this is an amazing thing about the God that we serve. Uh, This is something that I think that we tend to forget as we start to move along in our faith, but it is an incredible character trait of our heavenly father, but it's also incredibly counterintuitive. And it's this, God's not bothered by being bothered. Our heavenly father loves to be bothered. And not only as we're about to see, does he delight in it, but he also uh, commands me. And just don't take my word for it. Listen to what Jesus talks about uh, in Luke 11. And I just want you guys to imagine this scene for a moment. 12 disciples, they're with Jesus. They're following him for some period of time. They're seeing miracles. They're seeing people healed. They're seeing demons cast out. Like they're seeing the remarkable effects of, of the Messiah on planet earth. And what they notice is, is that Jesus has these two rhythms. Like he will radically pour himself out in service to people, healing, performing miracles. Like he was irresistibly drawn to need. But then what he would do is he would radically pull back and he would just disappear into the wilderness and he'd go out to the mountains and nobody knew where he went. And what's interesting is, is the Bible really doesn't give us a lot of context on what was happening in these get alone moments with God, except in one place, one place. This is the one place in scripture where Jesus pulls back the curtain and he reveals to us what's happening in these get alone moments with God. And the first thing that I thought about when I read this scripture was my favorite basketball player, Kobe Bryant. May he rest in peace, the black mamba. Uh, I read a story this week, 2008 Team USA Olympic team. So this is when all the best players in the NBA come together on one team. They're in Las Vegas preparing to go to the 08 Summer Olympics, practicing as a team. And uh, it was early, early in the morning, like five o'clock in the morning. The whole team had been out doing what people do at five o'clock in the morning in Las Vegas. And they're coming back to the hotel room, walking up the stairs. And guess who they see coming down the stairs with a gym bag in his hand? Kobe Bryant. And what's remarkable is the next day, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade joined him. By the end of the week, the whole team practicing at five o'clock in the morning. That was the impact that Kobe had. And the point is this, is is that all of us, if we know anything about basketball, would know that Kobe Bryant was great, right? The players knew he was great, but only one time do we get this glimpse into what cultivated that greatness behind the scenes. And I believe that the same is true in this scripture with Jesus, where the 12 disciples are finally getting a glimpse into what's taking place behind the scenes. So we're going to pick up in uh, the gospel, Luke, this is chapter 11. In your Bibles, your heading may read, Jesus's teaching on prayer. This is what he says. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, which he did quite often. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And just notice Jesus's answer. Uh, Jesus doesn't say, hey, gather around, I'm gonna give you a seminar. Here's step one to pray like God. Here's step two. You know what Jesus does? And this is a sermon for another time. He just starts praying. You wanna learn how to pray, just start praying. Uh, And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, most of the time we say, amen, we close the Bibles. That's the Lord's prayer, right? A lot of you guys have probably heard the Lord's prayer before, but in this, in this particular section, Jesus follows it up. He doesn't end the teaching there. He follows it up with a story in a parable to his disciples to, as if to communicate the heart of God in prayer. 
And I just find it fascinating that of all the nuances of prayer, of all the different angles that he could approach prayer from, this is the one that he chose to teach on. This is what he says. He says, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Taco Bell is closed. Grocery store is closed. No food available, so I'm knocking on the neighbor's door. And suppose the neighbor answers the door and he says this, don't bother me. Don't bother me. Don't do it. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, just keep in mind in this parable, the neighbor, this represents the antithesis of the heart of God. This isn't the heart of the father. God says, no, I want you to bother me. I want you to bother me. But this guy's like a grumpy, grumpy old man, kind of like me. And if he was up here making a list of all the things that bothered him, one of his would probably be needy neighbors who knock on my door at night. Like your procrastination is not my emergency, but your heavenly father, your procrastination is absolutely his emergency because God's not bothered by being bothered. Now, listen to what Jesus says next. He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your, and, and I love this phrase that comes next, shameless audacity. Everybody say shameless audacity. Because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And then here's the promise through Jesus to all of you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Uh, This past week, uh, our simple church was gathered on Tuesday. Uh, We were doing the usual routine, eating dinner, uh, getting together. And uh, one of the things that I love about our simple church is it's multi-gen. We've got singles, we've got married couples with young kids, married couples with older kids. We have a really diverse group. And a lot of times when we're doing our simple church, the young kids are just running around and it's just chaos. And the youngest of the two kids are Brody and Emery Sprague. Billy and Kelsey's kids, which if you've met their kids, they're like the cutest kids you'll ever meet. Uh, there's a picture. That's Kelsey, the mom with Brody and Emery. And they're two years old and four years old. And one of the things that I love about, I don't have kids, but being around kids is, is when I see the relationship between little children and their parents, it reveals to me so much of the heart of the father towards us. And one thing that I'll pick up on with Brody and Emery is throughout the simple church, while while we're praying or we're in the middle of reading the word, they just keep coming to their mom and dad. "Uh, Mama, can I have some water? Mama, can can we go outside? Mama, can we go play? The whole time, and and Kelsey and Billy are so sweet and so gracious in how they parent their kids. But what I notice is, is when those kids come to their parents, they're not like, calculating outcomes and and thinking about their motives when they ask their parents. They just ask and they ask and they ask. They just come with this shameless audacity before their parents. It's remarkable, but but what happens is kids start to get older as they've been on the the front end and the back end of, of some yeses and some noes. They start to become more calculated, right? As they're developing a framework of the heart of their parent, they've experienced some yeses. They've also experienced the disappointment of some noes. And since they start thinking about their motives and they start thinking about the implications of what they're asking. But when little kids come to their their parents, it's just shameless audacity. I have no problem. Little kids have this remarkable ability to ask for something, to get a no, be incredibly upset and completely forget about it five minutes later. 
It's amazing to watch kids do that. And so what Jesus is telling us is he's egging us on. He's saying, you guys want to start praying like my heart is for you? Start being little kids. Start coming to me and just asking for things. And don't think about your motives. Don't start second guessing and thinking about the implications and the calculations and the outcomes. And just because you got to know on that one prayer and you're praying it again, doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep praying it. Uh, because God is not bothered uh, by being bothered. And some of you may remember in Matthew 18, uh, I love this parable. Matthew 18, the, the disciples are all together and they're arguing over who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven, as we stubborn adults sometimes do because we have this thing called pride. And as they're arguing, Jesus in classic Jesus fashion doesn't even answer them. He just brings a young child over to him, puts his hands on their shoulder and he says, very truly I tell you, Unless you humble yourself, become like one of these little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's God's heart for us in prayer. And really what he's telling us is don't overthink your prayers. Don't overthink your prayers as you're coming to God. You're gonna get some yeses. You're gonna get some noes. But Jesus is telling us that there is something so profound and important when we keep coming to him time and time again with the shameless audacity and the purity and the intensity of little children, don't think about how big or small it is. Like there's a war going on in Ukraine right now, right? We should intercede for Ukraine. We should pray for Ukraine until this madness stops. But that doesn't mean that God's not big enough to, to, to care deeply about the small desires of your heart. And so let's pray for the big things, but let's also bring him the small things in prayer. I don't know about you guys, but that fires me up. That gets me excited. That, that, that renews some of that childlike faith, that first love when I first started following Jesus. And, and if some of you guys are like me, you may do this. Uh, you may think to yourself, well, that's one angle, right? Like Jesus has a lot of promises, but what about all the counterbalancing measures? What about all the other things that he says in scripture that maybe uh, don't agree with that? Well, I, I really felt like God wanted me to share this with you guys today. Jesus doubles down. He goes, this idea is so important to the Christian faith. This is so important in your relationship. He, 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 tell, he almost retells the same parable, almost as, as if to say, this is how important it is. And so Jesus, uh, uh, he says this to all of you. And also, I just wanna say this. If any of you in this room or in that spot where you feel like you've given up on prayer, like you feel like you've lost that childhood audacity, zero guilt, zero shame, but, but I feel like maybe God brought you here today just to tell you now's the time to start again. Now's the time to be a little kid again. Now's the time to start praying big prayers with big boldness before our big God. And so Jesus speaks this to you. He says this, uh, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Again, opposite of the heart of the father. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, the judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, even though I don't care what people think, and then here it is, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come attack me. Which part of me is like, don't give her justice because I kind of want to see the widow beat up the judge, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God, who is a perfectly just God, uh, will not our heavenly father, who has your best interests in mind more than any human on planet earth, will, will that guy not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? 
Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And then here's the big one. Jesus kind of tells the story. He tells the parable. And then I imagine he's got his disciples. He says, let me get really serious for a moment. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is Jesus saying to all of you, uh, justice isn't the issue. Me responding to your prayers quickly isn't the issue. Me not having your best interests in mind isn't the issue. What the issue is, is that life has this incredible ability as we start to turn into adults to beat the faith out of us. From past disappointments, uh, from failures, from all of the things that we bring into our prayer life. And what Jesus is saying is just be little kids. Like it doesn't matter if you're in this room, if you're 13 or if you're 70. In the kingdom of God, in God's economy, we are all children. If you're in this room and you're 70 years old, you are my elder and I respect you. But I will also remind you that you are an eternal being. Do you know how young 70 is to an eternal being? Right? We're all just kids. And so Jesus is saying, just keep coming, keep coming with that childhood audacity. But w- will I find faith? Faith is the fuel of God's kingdom economy. But the truth is, is like, look, no, no guilt. We're all going to be lacking faith at some point in our lives. I, I lack faith all the time. And that's why the apostle Paul says in Timothy, he says, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. But the, the challenge that I've noticed, and this is where we got to really coach ourselves, church, is, is that when we start to lack in faith, we start to give up in praying. We start to give up. And so this isn't going to be comprehensive or anecdotal, but I just want to share with you the three universal reasons why we give up on prayer in the hopes that this can just counsel your soul as it has for me. And number one, and probably the most destructive is this, we feel unworthy. We feel unworthy. It's an anemic understanding of who we are in Christ. And that's why as a church, if we want to develop lives of persevering prayer, we have to start with our identity in Christ. And the reason why is is because nothing, nothing will keep you out of the presence of God more than shame. Nothing. And let's just learn from the Garden of Eden. Uh, Some of you know the story, uh, Adam and Eve, uh, God's first two people that were created. uh, He tells them, don't eat from the tree. They eat from the tree. And when they're on the back end of that apple, when when they violate God's holy commandments, when they depart from his original intent, we call that sin. And the apostle Paul writes in Romans three, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that everyone in this room, the one thing that unifies each one of us is that we all have sin in our lives, but all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption in Christ Jesus. And so when Adam and Eve are on the back end of that apple, the the most basic fundamental human instinct, their first reaction is to do the single most destructive thing that you and I will do, which is hide from God. Hide from our creator, the one who made us. Shame destroys us. It keeps us out of the garden. And so if you're in here and you feel like you've given up or you've forfeited your right to pray bold prayers, can I just tell you that you have never needed or deserved to pray with boldness more than when you're in a season of difficulty especially, especially when that season of difficulty is self-inflicted. Uh, and that's why James, I love this, this, this scripture in James, he gives us this instruction on this topic. He says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other because there's something that happens when we confess our sins beyond just the words. Like there's something spiritually that happens so that you may be what? 
healed. Healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful uh, and effective. This is God saying through James that there is something that happens. Like, like the entry point into God's house of healing is the confession and the repentance of sins. Uh, for some of you today, today could be a beautiful opportunity. What an incredible opportunity to come before God's throne of grace and to be honest with him and to confess sin, and to confess disappointment and discontent in all the things that are stored up in our human hearts. What an incredible opportunity. Uh, That's the entry point. He goes on to say, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I know if if you guys are like me, we tend to think about our practical righteousness, uh, and that sort of determines how confident or unconfident we are before God's throne of grace. But can I just remind you today that your righteousness is sealed in Christ Jesus? Now, now, that isn't a, a license to go live immorally, right? Paul talked about that in length in the book of Romans. Grace isn't a license to go live a debaucherous and immoral life. Grace is the fuel for holiness. It's the fuel for holiness. But in that, our righteousness is sealed in Christ Jesus because we have a high priest who was tempted in every way, who completely empathizes with our, with our sin and our struggle with sin, and yet he did not sin. He did not sin, which means he became the perfect remission for our sins. And so what that means, Hebrews 4 would go on to tell us, is is that we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence, boldly, time and time again, because it's a throne titled grace. It's not a throne titled judgment. If it was a throne titled judgment, we would cower. We would hide, but it's a throne titled grace. And so this is Jesus giving you unlimited access and permission to come to the throne of grace time and time again, uh, boldly and unapologetically. Uh, This is the greatest news. This is the gospel. And do you know who does that with their parents, regardless of how they're feeling that day? Little kids, little kids. And so this is Jesus saying, just be like kids. Just keep asking me. And so church, we don't give up. We don't give up on praying. We don't give up praying those bold prayers because we serve a God who isn't bothered by being bothered. Uh, Number two, and the one that I think is probably most personal to me, is results fatigue. We get tired, right? It's hard to keep praying for things and not seeing results. Uh, I think about our first pastors, the 12 disciples, Peter, James, and John, pretty remarkable guys, right? Guys that went on to be martyred in the end. In Jesus's most vulnerable moment, Garden of Gethsemane, what are they doing? Falling asleep. In what? The prayer meeting. Falling asleep. I mean, these guys are like remarkable people. Fatigue is real, guys. Fatigue is real. A a pastor of mine, uh, he once told me that when fatigue comes in, faith walks out. Faith walks out. And the greatest remedy that I've just found in my personal walk with God is when someone told me this years ago. He said, the purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what we want him to do. The purpose of prayer is to be formed. Most people start giving up on prayer when they're not getting the answers that they want. But what we forfeit when we start to give up on prayer is we forfeit being conformed daily into the image of God. What keeps me going even when I'm not getting the results, even when I feel fatigued, when, I don't, when I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the right heart, is I go, you know what? Today, Tim, I get formed. And so I'm gonna come to the throne of grace boldly time and time again. Uh, some of you have heard the, 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 the famous uh, verse on prayer. I feel like it's the one that we all hear. Uh, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, is what the apostle Paul says. 
But in every situation through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, bother God, present your requests to God, and then you'll get the results that you want. So no, that's not what he says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what we get is we get peace. How many of you need peace today? I need it. I can't operate without peace. Paul goes on to say in Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for all of us. I mean, I pray about golf, guys. I'll walk up to a par three, seven iron in my hand, and I say, Lord, would you please let that beautiful white ball go in that hole? And 99% of the time, the answer is no. But I'm still believing for that yes. And every seven years, eight years, a yes comes around. And I'm celebrating like a six-year-old. But that doesn't mean that I'm not also praying the big prayers. Doesn't mean that I'm not also praying for, for, for movement in our city and for my lost friends and family to, to come into relationship with Jesus. And the point is this, is just, just talk to God about everything. And we wanna help you as a church. Uh, something that we're gonna start doing uh, this coming Wednesday, which I'm so excited about, is we have a prayer room here at Restoration. And we're gonna start opening that up uh, to all of you. And so if you're in a spot where you, you wanna grow in your prayer life, uh, come in on Wednesday morning, six to 7 a.m., seven to 8 a.m. for just one hour prayer sets. We'll have coffee, we'll have donuts. And if you're in a spot where you're like, I don't know how to pray, you don't even have to pray. It's just gonna be some guided prayer. And it's an opportunity where we can come together as the church and to start calling upon uh, the name of Jesus for, for some things. We can start asking him for some things. And if you can't come to that, no shame, no worries. Uh, I would just ask you of this, is in your prayer time this week, whenever that is morning, evening, when you sit down, would Jesus just say before you pray, today I get formed. Today I get formed. I promise you guys, I promise you, you throw throw together a year of consistently coming into the presence of God, do not think for a moment that you will be remotely the same person. Uh, it, it may not be the type of change that you'll see in yourself. It, it's not the type of change that you gotta like advertise and market to other people, but people will say something is different about her. Something is different about him. And it's because you're going into the presence of God every single day and being informed and bothering God. And this last one is huge. Uh, past disappointments, past disappointments. If every time we prayed for something, we got a yes, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But it's the no's that lead us uh, to give up. Uh, a, a couple years ago, uh, a friend of mine named Mike, uh, who he went to college at Mines with Billy and I, really close friend of mine, uh, he was my roommate. Uh, he was diagnosed with COVID in, in the pandemic, 28 years old. And uh, he got admitted to urgent care and then eventually he got admitted to the hospital. And you know, it was like, it just felt like every single day the news was getting worse and worse until he was in the hospital for an entire month. First he was on oxygen, then he got put on the ventilator and eventually he was on ECMO life support because his lungs were failing him. And this was a season of my life where I was like in that first love, brand new pastor, first love, uh, zealous, young, just excited. And I thought, this is the moment. This is the moment where I call upon the kingdom of heaven and I pray the bold prayer, the prayer of healing. This is where I petition God uh, for a miracle. And so, so we're rallying the troops and the texts are flying and, and we're posting videos on social media and hundreds and hundreds of people are pouring out their hearts in prayer for Mike to be healed. And of course, Mike was healed just not on this side of eternity. 
And I won't get into that because I don't want to demean or dishonor any of the losses of, of people in this room, but make no mistake about it, he was healed. And he's doing better than all of us right now. But, but something happened in my heart that day where I lost some of that first love because I got my first big no from God. Uh, I, I just felt it. And, I, and to be honest, I put the prayers of healing on pause for a year. And I said the right things and I went through the motions, uh, but, but I stopped getting formed for a year. And I just wonder, I just wonder, what did I miss out on? What miracles did I miss out on? Because I got a big disappointing no from God. And I think that Jesus put me up here to tell all of you this and also just to speak this to my own heart, which is don't give up. You're not gonna always understand my my ways, but I need you to trust in my sovereign, perfect, holy will. I need you to trust in it because my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I know that there is pain associated with those past disappointments, but don't give up church. Don't give up being a little kid and just coming to the throne of grace time and time again. Uh, As we close uh, this morning, uh, I just want to share the last three verses of that parable uh, in Luke. And this is the best. This is the best part uh, because this is a verse that has been so fundamental to my formation as a follower of Jesus. Uh, Listen to what God says. This is a promise from God through Jesus Christ to each of you. This is what he says. Which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil by by kingdom standards, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's it. That's your qualifier. You got to just ask. Just ask him, I I am in a season of life right now where I am so utterly convinced that I am too anxious, over my head, overwhelmed, totally crushed and toast apart from the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Uh, Daily, I find myself in my prayer time just coming to God and say, God, would you just fill me with your presence? Like it's the number one priority in my life because this life is just too hard. This life is too hard to operate apart from the most robust, powerful force on planet earth. And it's not complicated. I just come to Jesus and I say, Jesus, would you fill me? Would you help me, God? I need your love and I need your joy. I need your peace today. I need your patience. Father, would you fill me with kindness towards people? Would you fill me with gentleness, God, and self-control? because I just can't do it apart from you. And I just so desperately want that for our church. I so desperately want you guys to be able to experience and to feel the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life every single day. And all we have to do is come before him like a kid and just ask, just ask him. And so we're gonna do that right now. We're just gonna ask, we're just gonna call upon Jesus as a church. Uh, And I believe with all my heart, because I've talked to God a lot about this church service. I believe with all my heart that God wants to heal some people today. I believe that he wants to bring freedom uh, to some of you. Fill in the blank, whatever it is that you need freedom from. I believe he, that today's the day he wants to bring some freedom to you. I believe that God wants to, to break down some doors and some barriers that have been up for a long time. Uh, maybe 2023 is the year where that prodigal child comes home. The one that you've been praying for for years and for years and for years. 
Uh, maybe uh, 2023 is where you get freedom from that addiction. This could be the year. I'm believing with you. I'm with you. Like, we got to ask, though, and we got to come together as the church. And I think that Jesus wants some faith to rise up in this place because that is the fuel of his kingdom economy. And so what we're just going to do is go into a time of, of prayer and response. And I'm just going to lead us through a, an acronym that we call CHAT. It's a super simple framework. This is four minutes that, that will change your life. But, but keep in mind, it's a deeply, deeply uh, biblical framework too. And so just, just stay seated, stay comfortable. You don't need to move around. Um, I'll invite you into a posture of prayer. You can close your eyes. You can bow your heads, take a deep breath. Don't worry about the people around you. This is a moment between you and your heavenly father. We're just gonna start with a time of confession. And uh, there's gonna be some verses on the screen. And so... Holy Spirit, we just come to you right now, Father, with our sin. We come to you with our temptation, Jesus. We come to you with our discontent. Father, you are perfectly merciful and forgiving. Would you search our hearts right now? Would you know us, Jesus? Would you reveal any anxious thoughts, God, anything that is separating us from you, Father? And would you lead us in a time of confession? We're now going to move into a time of honor. And this is where we acknowledge who God is, his character. Uh, Heavenly Father, you are perfect love. Father, you are perfect justice. God, you love the world so much that you sent, it was your joy to send Jesus. But God, you are also so perfectly just that you had to send, send Jesus in this world, God, because of our sin. And so we just acknowledge you right now. You are king of the universe. You are creator of all things. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. Repeat them in our church building today, God. In our time, make them known. now move into a, a time of request. And this is where we petition our Father. This is where we ask Him for the desires of our heart, both big and small. And so I just want to invite you to think about the dreams. Think about the things that you're yearning for right now. Think about the things that you desire and just bring them before God. Uh, Jesus, you say in your word, God, that we shall ask and we shall receive. Would you hear our prayer, Lord? Would you listen to our cries? 
When I am in distress, God, I call on you because you answer me. Uh, Jesus, would you meet us in this moment, God, as we lay our requests at your feet? The final uh, prayer set is thanksgiving. And uh, as we move into a a time of thanksgiving, we're actually gonna move into our communion moment Uh, because communion is ultimately a time where we acknowledge in gratitude with thankful hearts the sacrifice that Jesus made for all of us. And so uh, I will invite our communion servers to come forward. Uh, We're just gonna have two stations, one to my left, one to my right. All of the bread is gluten-free. There's no obligation uh, to participate, but all are welcome to come to eat of the bread and to drink of the cup. And also we're gonna have our prayer team uh, and they're they're gonna be uh, over here to my left in this corner. And I just wanna wanna invite you. uh, Jesus said that there's something extra special that happens when two or three are gathered in his name. Uh, that, that verse in James said, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other. Like there's something that happens when we come together and the church prays. And so if you are in a place right now where you are wrestling with shame, where you're wrestling with past disappointments, where you're fatigued and you don't even know what to pray, maybe it's a joyous season, like and you are just celebrating come forward, receive prayer, pray with other people. This is the time to be the church. This is the time uh, for the faith uh, to rise up. For some of you, you might just need a one-on-one time with God. And so our worship teams, they're gonna come up, they're gonna sing these beautiful worship songs. And as we do, let's just worship our God, let's just pray to our God and have a moment with our heavenly Father.